Hey, everybody. This is Dan L. from Kissimmee, Florida, and this is the Daily Reflection Podcast. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to the show. Today is October 18th. And as usual, we have a guest in the studio, Dan L. from Kissimmee, Florida. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Fantastic. Well, we get started in the same way every episode. We ask the guests to read the Daily Reflection. Dan, would you help us get started? We would love to. An open mind, October 18th. True humility in an open mind can lead us to faith. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 33. My alcoholic thinking led me to believe that I could control my dream, but I couldn't. When I came to AA, I realized that God was speaking to me through my group. My mind was open just enough to know that I needed his help. A real, honest acceptance of AA took more time, but with it came humility. I know how insane I was, and I am extremely grateful to have my sanity restored to me and to be a sober alcoholic. The new sober me is a much better person than I could have ever been without AA. Thanks for reading that, Dan. Before we begin, Dan, what is your date of sobriety? July 24th, 2019. Getting to the daily reflection, so open mind. Tell me a little bit about what comes to mind when you think about an open mind and and true humility. Well, an open mind is um, realizing that what I know, there's far more out there than what I know. And Mm. the humility of it is realizing that I don't know it all. So it also talks about um, having your sanity restored. Do you feel like you're uh, you're sane once again? Nine out of 10 would agree. (laughs) 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 Um, Every day comes with a challenge and uh, an open mind, you know, and humility, definitely practicing humility helps to meet that challenge every day. What does that look like, Dan? How, how do you, how do you practice that on a daily basis? Most recently, uh, you know, there's been a lot of family struggle for me. I've realized that stepping back and realizing that I don't have all the answers and that only one person does, and that's my higher power. So tell me a little bit about what was happening in your life in early 2019 when, uh, when you came into recovery. When I came into recovery, uh, I was, I was at a turning point and that turning point for me was uh, a doctor. So a doctor of my father's who was explaining to me that my father was terminally ill. And, um, you know, I had no idea how I would do the next steps, which was, I was asked to be his hospice caregiver and, uh, in the home setting and, uh, as a barely functioning alcoholic addict, I, uh, I had no idea how I was going to do that and continue doing what I was doing. So I, I 
I prayed and to my higher power. I, I choose to call God. And um, I asked for relief. And it was the next day that I got up and things were different. Uh, I didn't drink that day. And uh, I stayed sober. And I just took it one day at a time from there for about 25 days before I found the program of AA. So you had a, a higher power in your life prior to coming into the rooms of recovery. I, you know, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I mean, this part of humility, right. Is I, you know, I didn't know it. But yeah. I, I had to, I mean, I, I, I definitely couldn't have done it alone. I feel like there's a higher power working in everyone's life and um, we don't always see it. We don't recognize it and we don't acknowledge it. Uh, some of it has to do with our upbringing. Um, did you have, you know, a, a formal religious upbringing? You know, as a kid, I went to church with uh, one of my one of my friends in my neighborhood and his parents, um, and it wasn't anything steady. It wasn't you know like a every Sunday deal. My dad was very religious, and he was Catholic, and uh, my mom wasn't. So there was that, you know. But I spent enough time with my dad, and my dad, you know, was the type that you know he break break out his rosary beads all the time, you know, every day. You know, you'd see him with them in his hand around five o'clock, you know, and he'd be spinning the beads through his hand and, you know, saying his prayers and he'd do it again before night, you know, before he went to bed at night. So it was always in the background. Honestly, I walked away from it as a kid uh, when I was about 15. Hmm. Oddly enough, about the same time I started drinking and using. And I want to follow through on the on what you mentioned um, about becoming a caregiver you know, getting sober and becoming a caregiver. Were you able to do that? Yes. Yes. I, mm. um, I was able to do that and, um, it wasn't without struggle. Sometimes I believe it's the struggle that makes us stronger. You know, it builds a, builds our foundation mm. in recovery, you know, because this thing, while it is a gift, some of the best gifts in life, you, you got to do a little bit of the work for. So your dad saw you get sober. He did. He did. He got to see three weeks of it before he passed. Well, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. That's a, that's a difficult thing to deal with in the best of times, let alone, you know, trying to get sober at the same time. In a way, it's my uh, way of making a living amends. You know, if there's such a thing I you hear in the program, some believe in the living amends, some don't, you know, but my amends to him was, and, and, and making that turning point. And as he used to say, doing the deed. What did he mean by the deed? Well, my, my dad was a team guy in the Navy and, uh, you know, whenever they went out on a mission or anything like that, they was referred to it as doing the deed, you know? So, you know, anytime, anytime there was an obstacle in my life, you know, he would always say that quote to me, you know, listen, son, do the deed. Yeah. Kind of like get her done. Yep. You got sober, you found the rooms. How long before you actually started to work the program? Well, I'll be honest, you know, it's. If you had asked me 30 days in, I was already through my 12th step. If you had asked me 60 days in, I could get you sober. And if you had <laughs> asked me 90 days in, you, you know, I could tell you why I'm bald. You know, <laughs> uh, at a year, uh, it was the first time I shared my story. And it was an honor to be asked, but I was so nervous. I, uh, bumbled my way through it with so much on the the war story that I left very little to the recovery side. And that was an eye opener for me and for my program. 
you know, it, that I focused so much on the then that I left myself so little for the now. And, you know, turning that cusp into the next year of sobriety, you know, I, I kind of kind of focus a little more on where my feet are today. Where are they today, Dan? Happy, free, peaceful, and sober. It's a good place to be. How do you how did you do it? You know, I, I had a lot of great mentors along the way. My sponsor, group in Philadelphia, real special group in Philadelphia. A lot of other alcoholics, they are the backbone to my sobriety. And knowing that I'm only a phone call away from sorting it out, knowing that I'm a phone call away from helping someone out and giving back. And I always say, uh, whatever I'm answering the phone, I may not have the answers, but I have a couple ideas we can kick around. You know, it's still one of those things that it just leaves me in humility. Like, I don't know it all, you know, and I don't have the answers. There is no, there's no play, you know, the playbook is 164 pages long. That's the playbook. Mm -hmm. The answers are in there. How you interpret them, you know, that's, that's where life gets lifey and, you know, sobriety is, you know, an individual thing. In the couple of years that you've been sober, I'm sure you've had trials, challenges. Tell me, tell me a little bit about some of the struggles you've had. I struggle to be, to, to bask in humility. I honestly struggle with my ego. My ego, it, it is still writing checks that, you know, my sober butt can't cash, you know, and I find myself doing it a lot still. And I, I pray that this, you know, defect gets taken and I, man, you know, anytime now, please. <laughs> but it's just one of those things that it's, you just got to relax and not take, not take it so hard, you know? And I think that's, that's what I do a lot. And my ego drives that alongside of my ego. Insecurity. Insecurity is a big challenge. Knowing, knowing that I can and believing that I can can be a struggle at times. It, it's so funny because like, as I was just talking about ego, you know, here I have these insecurities, doubt. When I just take a break, step away from it, and I realize that it's God's plan and all I have to do is follow the breadcrumbs that things get a little bit easier and I don't have to have all the answers. I just have to do my part. What you're saying sounds a lot like the old trope, an egomaniac with an insecurity complex. Absolutely. See it so often in the program. So flash forward to today. What's your program look like? Well, my program, I talk to my sponsor just about every day, you know, uh, when he's traveling, maybe not every, but we, we talk frequently. Uh, I'm always, I always get to talk to at least one alcoholic a day, you know, as far as meetings and things like that, I get to them whenever I can, you know, life gets lifey sometimes. And, uh, you know, as long as I don't drink today, I speak with another alcoholic that to me, that counts as a meeting and mm -hmm. that's another, so that's another sober day. How'd you meet your sponsor? Uh, I, well, I moved to Florida from Arizona. And I was looking for a meeting and I, I found one about 11 miles from my house. I went to the meeting a couple of times and, uh, you know, transportation was an issue when I first got here. I didn't drive. I didn't have a license, you know, another, another 
gift of uh, years of drinking and using. And my sponsor reached out to me at the meeting and uh, he offered to give me rides. He said, you know what? You know, I'll come pick you up every morning. He was about two and a half years, three years almost sober when, when I first met him. And then, you know, after about maybe a month of giving me rides, I, I asked him one day, I said, hey, man, you know, think he could be my sponsor? And he was unsure. He's, I don't know. Well, let me think about, uh, you know, I really, you know, have a busy life. And, you know, but I think he just hadn't ever sponsored anyone. And as I found mm-hmm. out later, he hadn't. About a week or so later, you know, he, he said, yeah. And um, here we are. Almost, uh, almost two years solid with him later. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, the goal of, of sponsoring anybody, in my opinion, is to help them get sober, of course, but help yourself and along the way, help them to learn how to carry the message and, and help somebody else. I'm curious, have you begun to sponsor other men? I have. And, uh, you know, that has met its own challenges as well. And that's where I've seen a lot of opportunity for growth in my program. With one gentleman, I felt I wanted it more than he did. And it turned out that was the case. Fortunately, I, I still maintain a relationship with him. And, uh, you know, he's doing, he's doing okay. Uh, another gentleman I sponsored, and I think my ego plays into this one, was uh, I dropped him because he wouldn't get up early enough to go to the meeting that I wanted him to go to. So that was a struggle. Um, so again, back to the opportunities for growth in my program, I, I, I got to realize that I can't control everything. And there are other ways, softer, easier ways than mm-hmm. what I'm, the way I'm choosing. You know, they say, regardless of whether or not your sponsees stay sober, you're still batting a thousand. So uh, it's great that you're willing to put yourself out there to to try and carry the message and pass on what you've learned. So what advice might you have for someone that's either early in recovery or, or maybe not even in recovery yet? For someone who's early in recovery, don't drink, don't use, keep coming back. It will sort itself out. All you have to do is those two things. The rest will fall into place. Uh, for the person still out there, I pray for you. And hopefully, God willing, you're safely brought to your knees. Dan, it's been a great chat. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap? AA, in general, has been a gift. It's been a blessing in my life. And on this topic alone, I still have so much more work to do. And that's where I am today. And I just wanted to say thank you for the opportunity. Mm. Grateful to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Dan, thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.